And welcome to Here We Stand, the voice of the Republic of Canada. This is your regular host, Kevin Annett, Eagle Strong Voice. It's January the 14th, one day before the ninth anniversary of the founding of our Republic of Canada. On January 15th, 2015, 51 delegates and over 100 observers gathered in the North Winnipeg Indigenous Community Centre and released a statement that said, in part, we, the sovereign and freeborn men and women of the land known as Canada, as the ultimate and final source of all authority and law, and according to the obligations bestowed on us by necessity and natural law, we hereby sever now and forever all ties and allegiance to the Crown of England, the Government of Canada and its laws, and to the Church of Rome and its agents. We disestablish and nullify their authority over us, and we extinguish any duty or service owed to them. In witness of this proclamation, we therefore establish the Federated Republic of Canada as a free society on the land under the jurisdiction and authority of the common law and customary land law and according to the will of we the people. We make this solemn proclamation freely and without reservation according to our conscience as free men and women within the natural law. And on that day, we raised our flag over Winnipeg, as is happening tomorrow in a number of different communities across Canada. Flag raising and also the reclamation of our land, beginning with the reclamation of our lives and the law itself. And that's going to be the topic of the show today, the nuts and bolts of building the Republic of Canada. I'll be doing an interview with um, our good brother Owen Lucas, a Republic ally from England, working there in the Republic movement. And Owen was recently released from prison after a campaign to get him out, conducted by us and all our allies around the world, thrown into prison for mentioning certain things on Facebook that the government didn't like. And now he's under a one-year um, probation where he can't leave certain areas. So targeting us, but we respond collectively, as we're going to be talking about today, how we go about resisting, reclaiming, and replacing the present system, the three R's, not reading, writing, arithmetic, folks, resist, reclaim, replace. That's our program. And when we established the Republic of Canada in 2015, many of us were veterans of the campaign to expose and prosecute genocide in Canada. We realized after the February 2013 verdict that found Queen Elizabeth Joseph Ratzinger, so-called Pope and Queen, guilty of crimes against humanity, official authority was disestablished. Not only were these bodies illegitimate historically, they're fraudulent and genocidal, but they were legally disestablished by international law. And so we therefore realized nearly two years later, we had to take the step to create the replacement, the Republic of Kanata. You can see the vision of all of that, Republic of Kanata, K-A-N-A-T-A, and that means uh, it's a Algonquin word, meaning where the people sit as one around the council fire. Republicofkanata.org. You can read the program and the vision there. And today, one of the foci of our discussion will be the fact that the way you build the republic is locally, and you do it by first reclaiming the law. And there's a really great quote I wanted to share with you from somebody who tried this, in Ireland, in their battle for liberty. His name is Joe McInnes, and he was a uh, veteran of the Republic movement. And um, in Joe's words, this, it's in actually quoted in our common law training manual, he says, our first real step towards independence from England was the establishment of our own Republican courts, right under the nose of the Brits. 
We set up a different legal system of our traditional Brehan Irish laws, even while under military occupation. And we had to defend that system and those courts in arms. So you can say that once we started living under our own laws, everything else had to follow right up to becoming a new nation. And that's why the work of our common law courts is so essential. It's creating the building blocks of how people govern themselves through reclaiming the law on their own terms. When you create law on your terms, you've created a new nation. And you can't really have those courts, however, without a legitimate constitutional authority. You have to establish your own jurisdiction. And that's what you hear in court all the time. There's always two basic issues in any court case brought before a court. Who has authority? Who has jurisdiction? Well, without a political jurisdiction where we've separated from the old one and created our own, courts don't have legitimacy. They're de facto under the authority of the old so-called crown regime. And that's why the crown courts uh, are illegitimated by the establishment of our republican courts. And those courts can only be established through the Republic of Canada. For example, when you sign a charter, 12 or more men and women, you form an assembly that can pass laws and act as a court, as well as setting up common law courts. So in other words, this struggle is connected, the political, the legal, the personal, the spiritual, on every front. We are declaring independence from a fraudulent, a criminal, and a genocidal system that's been lawfully convicted and disestablished. The other website to look at, of course, is murderbydecree.com as well as republicofcanada.org. The two books we'll be referring to today is Establishing Liberty, The Case for Canada, the vision and program of the free republic in Canada, and Establishing the Reign of Natural Liberty, a common law training manual, which, by the way, is one of our, our best uh, uh, selling book and most well-known. As a matter of fact, people took that book in Australia and out of it have established over 40 common law republic assemblies in that country. It's been translated into seven different languages. Very essential book to get. You can get both of those books on Amazon.com. Just put my name, Kevin Annett, in. Also, you can see them at murderbydecree.com. So for the show today, remember, uh, final point as well, that um, tomorrow... You can join and take the pledge. See that all at republicofcanada.org. And tomorrow, go to the communities that are raising the flag and doing the reclamations. You can find out where by writing to us, Republic National Council at protonmail.com. And don't forget, we'll be talking more in future shows, as we've done in the past, with the importance of the November 20th common law verdict in Vancouver that convicted Charles Mountbatten-Windsor, so-called King of England for crimes against humanity and ordering the murder of William Coombs and other Native people in Canada. There'll be more on that in future shows. But for now, learn from the show today. Get on board. Celebrate the Republic tomorrow on our ninth Independence Day. This is Kevin Annett, Eagle Strong Voice. I thank you. Well, first of all, what we say to people is, if you set out and try to do something as an individual, you'll get nailed. Uh, the, the system likes that because they can make an example of you. Like, some people like to beat their chest and say, look, I'm not paying taxes. I'm not, okay, fine, but you're playing their game when you do that. They're ignoring Sun Tzu's basic maxim, which is you never do what the enemy expects, right? What we do is we, when we charter an assembly, 12 or more people sign a charter, they become a legislative body that can pass their own laws. They then pass a law saying we're keeping all our tax money in our community. We're setting up a trust fund under the Republic, and we're going to use that money to fund our local 
society, to fund our projects, to build up our community, to build a grassroots republic, right? That's the first thing we do. And in fact, we found mayors in small towns have gotten on board with that. They love the idea of not paying federal taxes because right. in Canada and probably in many other countries, over half of the taxes go to pay off debts to foreign banks, the federal tax money. It's not used to help the people at all. If you look at you know, road building, hospitals, school construction, all of that, that comes from local or um, regional taxes and never comes from the federal taxes. You know, so we know at that level that, the, you know, the, the offshore banks uh, are controlling the tax systems anyway. Uh, Canada Revenue uh, is not even a government body. It's a private offshore corporation bearing a government title, right? So um, that's the thing to keep in mind. First, control the money. And you can't really build a republic unless you start doing that, right? For sure. And, and you know, if we're looking at, as, as we have been in, in our last discussion, a war situation, you know, yeah. the, the last thing you want to do is is buoy up and um, fuel your, your enemies by providing them with the fruits of your labor. I mean, it's it's completely counterproductive to, to what's going on, right? Yeah, morally, legally, in every way, we're obligated and we're, we're empowered to just keep the money ourselves. And also, that's a symbol of how we relate to the whole system. We just turn away from it, and we just focus on what we need to build as people. Like, I think every time I look at a big protest of thousands of people, I thought, okay, they protest well and then go away, so what's changed? But if every one of those people instead had to withdraw their taxes, not voted, built up their local assembly, started reclaiming the land and the property of these convicted churches and crown authorities. Think of the power we could do. You don't even need a thousand, just need a few dozen or a few hundred people doing that. And it would send shockwaves all over the place. But no one's thinking outside the box. No one's thinking, what can I do? It's always asking somebody for help. It's always making a demand, which is like a plea, right? This is all slave language. Please, thank you, clean, appeal. It's all like a slave on his knees asking for something. And even the most militant protest is doing that. Right. asking for something right and in protesting it's it's recognizing the the authority that that you know you bushwhacks it. you with your phrase right 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 and so with your republic of canada is is there um plans or or initiatives in in the pipeline to to begin a new uh currency without um does the canadian money have uh the queen on it yes it's this funny plastic money. So, so um, then we get to uh, spiritual energetics again, right? Because uh, people people want those uh, notes or whatever, and and that's that's um, fueling the uh, the non physical, you know, yeah. interdimensional energetics, right? Here's the thing: we're we've got a whole, we've got an economic commission looking into the whole aspect of taxes, money, the whole bit. The first thing we've started is local trading and exchange networks to get outside the money system altogether. People pool their knowledge of what they have, their skills. They trade skills in return for food. We've got agricultural communities starting up where we have our own food base, uh, which is essential. Uh, Even before money and everything, you're going to be able to feed people. You need a land base in what we're doing. So we're focusing on those local examples that give people the confidence to go to the next step, right? So, you know, you take up citizenship. And that means that you're really in a new jurisdiction. And eventually these questions, you know, are going to be addressed by larger numbers of people. But for now, we're trying to set an example of what people can do to show there is an alternative, really. And that's, you know, a lot of what we do all the time. Right? 
Sure. I, I've, I've very much been thinking about the um, infrastructure of um, sustenance and, and food. There's a lot of problems over here with uh, delivery of, of food to supermarkets. You know, the supermarkets are, are very condensed. It's very, very corporate, right? Centralizing yeah. everything. And, and so the, the idea and the, the issue of food gardens becomes very important, right? And, and if there is that locally grown alternative, then it doesn't create or it removes the dependency on on the enemy in the war situation, uh, you know, providing for us, right? Very much, and I mean, I, you know, we've known for a long time controlling the seed, um, this the the seed uh, pool on the planet, um, controlling the the land base. That's being part of the whole twenty thirty agenda for a long time. Um, urbanizing the whole world's population to control them better. I mean. We know we see it happening all over. It isn't just a conspiracy theory on the internet anymore. It's it's reality going on. So it makes that, those steps to build it outside the system all the more essential, right? Yeah, and and there's so much going on. You know, they just just since we last spoke, I've seen a hat full of of citizens. You know, regular yes. members of the public are getting in the face of whether it's a headmasters or, or politicians or you know these agencies of the state that need call into task and, and they're they're putting forwards in in very you know formal and and considered and composed language their rights as citizens and you know we, we move on to to complicity right and these yep. you know visiting one I'll perhaps uh, add a clip in uh, of a, a head teacher being confronted perhaps is is the right word by a woman who's half the size of this guy and he's well in a roundabout kind of way defending the the location of children being injected and she's right at him you know you, if you if you do this if you allow inje- children to be injected here on your premises you will face the full force of the law and and this you know he, he won't be i'm sure uh doing the injections himself but com- he will be complicit in this crime, right? So getting that down to the, um, the law courts and getting into the, uh, the, the sequencing of, of calling in common law courts. Uh, let's, can, you, can you give us a definition of, of uh, complicity? Uh, well, I mean, it's uranium embedding in a kind of crime. It's, it's I, you know, people um, have been taught that the word conspiracy indicates some lunatic in a basement constructing all these theories, right? A conspiracy theorist, but no, it's a term under the law. A conspiracy is three or more people engaged in planning or committing a criminal act and then trying to cover it up. And on on that basis, you know, every government, church, corporation in the world is involved in in, in a criminal conspiracy when it's causing that kind of harm. Um, but no, I think the the thing that people realize when she said you're going to face the full force of the law, well, no, he won't unless we, the people, are the law. Because right. the, the whole legal system now, is, as we know, it doesn't really exist anymore. There is no rule of law anymore. It, it was interesting yeah. because the, the, the head teacher was calling upon, uh, you know, leg- legalities of, of civil law. And he was saying, this is a school location and you can't film here. You know, there was a, a, a guy with a camera. And, and so he was, you know, calling upon a different set of parameters of legalities. And she was talking about, you know. Yeah, well, I mean... That- you know, they people say our private club statutes outweigh your basic natural rights, and no, they don't. 
uh, it's like the Church of Rome. They bring in their little club statutes, their club rules that say you got to protect protect child rapists, and you have to go along with the rules or you're bounced out, right? So that's you know they can do whatever they want, but it goes against inherent liberties and rights in the life of children. So we have every right to defy those regulations and arrest people trying to impose them on us, right? That's just common sense and there's a, this big gap between everyone's recognition of that and then acting on it because we all we can see i think we mentioned this last time all we can see is the power of the state we can't see any of our strengths right um and that's what we have to turn around by showing people that no you don't go through their courts you have to do the hard job of forming the local assembly learning the common law acting in a new way and thinking in a new way consistently, not not a three-minute effort. Your whole life has to be dedicated to this. Your life has to have new priorities. And it's not fitting in. I mean, 99% of the people I deal with are always thinking in terms of, Kev, how, do you, how can you help me so I can go back to my old life and security? And you can't, right? And you shouldn't anyway, because that security in life was built on the suffering of others, right? Um, if, if, there's, if there's one phrase that I'll perhaps agree with them over this, you know, this propaganda that's been spewed at us through the media for the last two years, it's the new normal, right? There, there, there certainly will be a new normal, but hopefully it won't be their version of it. It'll be, uh, you know, a, a much more healthy and um, nutritious oh, yeah. uh, uh, paradigm shift. And and what what seemed to yeah. be the case with uh, this woman is that she that that composure that that she was uh, emitting. I think I don't know her circumstances, but I I'm, I'm, seems pretty certain that, that she was coming from a, a mandate basis. When people in Second World War wore stars to show who they were, they were Jews. Now would you're you like discriminating, to, and you that's like illegal. To when the students wear masks? That is illegal, and you'll have you'll have repercussions of that as well. Would you're you sticking like your neck out you with these jabs. Are you quite happy for these kids to be injured? That there were people with her. Uh, one or two, you know, a cell of three, as you, you mentioned in the last discussion. But but it felt like that she was perhaps part of some sort of group, some sort of assembly, and that she was therefore speaking as a representative of a of a greater, you know, perhaps the parents of that school collectively. And so that that composure and that that power that that she was able to um, to call upon creates that area of of enforcement. Right. And, and, you know, they call it canon law, right, because the canon fire is the force, right? So it, it, there is an aspect of physical muscle that, that has to come into play when we're looking at uh, lawful rights. Oh, yeah. yeah, we do that when we, when we have sheriff training uh, workshops. Um, we're looking for big guys, right? We're looking for people who can be physically intimidating because that's part of the job, right? But ultimately, not, law is not about intimidation. It's about seeking common ground and common interest. So, you know, that old um, saying in English common law, the law does harm to no one. Um, you know, I mean, that's because if it doesn't serve the interests of the people, then what is it? Who is it serving? And that's the first thing you always ask a cop. By what authority are you doing this? Show me the authority. Show me how I agree to this. But, you know, that when you're raised in a culture that says essentially what they're doing is they're creating a slave society now where you don't even have any basic liberties at all. You just agree and go along or you're dead. You know, um, we're turning back the clock, not just a thousand years. We're going back to like ancient Egypt, you know, to to a slave society. I mean, that's and they've got the technology now they think to impose that on people. But 
again, it the more a force comes in this direction, we find in history, the more a counter force builds up over here. And you're seeing that spontaneously happen to people all over the place who are doing what you're talking about, gathering as groups and saying, we are the law now. We have to because there is no rule of law anymore. They do whatever they want. They rewrite the rules. They expect you to comply without any lawful authority, right? And then getting into to details and sequencing the practical steps, the first step would be, let's, let's, let's take, you know, as we've used this example, uh, three letters to a headmaster, right? It, it would, there would have to be three recorded delivery letters, and that would be of a claim of right. Is that the same a claim of right would be the same as a, a cease and desist notice? To be well, a statement of claim of right is the first step in, a, in convening a common law court. Somebody has been injured. You've got to set down who did what to who, give the names, the dates, the details, and say, here's what we want. That's basically what a statement of claim is. Uh, lawyers make it always seem a lot more complicated because that's a bread and butter. But, you know, basically that's what we're doing. We give the people the chance to respond. And if they don't, uh, we can proceed. As a matter of fact, one of the re- the basis on when we talked about earlier King Charles being lawfully tried and executed as a traitor against the people of England, he uh, he refused to answer the charges. It was called a pro-confesso when nobody, like the Queen of England and the Pope, we said, we're accusing you of committing and concealing genocide. They didn't answer. Under English common law, that's a tacit admission of guilt because if they refuse to defend their good name or counter or, or silence his consent, they're not challenging what's being said about them. So they're pleading guilty. And in fact, in that situation, it's a win-win because if the people we charge respond, they recognize the authority of our court, which is great. If they don't respond, they're committing, they're, they're admitting their own guilt and they're, they're found guilty and an arrest warrant can issue, be issued immediately. So when we assert our authority, it's a win-win situation. There's an example of it. Right? I, I might have mentioned it on one of the previous two discussions, but there's, there's a, a TV doctor, you know, and I, I, like, I like the way they, they, they went for this guy. I thought he was, a, he was a good target for us because on the one hand, he's, he's part of the journalist team. And on the other hand, he's part of the, um, the medical team. I went to health. And, and so she, there was a, a clip, um, you know, again, very amateur mobile phone stuff, but, but they, they'd sent their three recorded delivery uh, claims of rights to him. You cease and desist. You're, you're complicit with this uh, crime against humanity genocide. Mm-hmm. And the police were present and, you know, they were, they were making sure that uh, it seemed that everything was, uh, you know, civil and, and there wasn't any, any trouble in the commas, any violence. And, and the, the video didn't go any further, but there were a lot of people there uh, as, to, as to what would have happened. But, you know, he, he was clearly not, as, as the king wasn't, uh, playing ball in the commas with, with the common law system. So the next step would be then to form a posse, uh, a, a posse comitatus, right? Would, would that be the next step? Could you, could you haul in a suspect? Uh, well, that's two different things. Posse is uh, taken from an old Latin expression, meaning... That's after the verdict, right? Yeah. All the people in, in the English shires and the villages, all of the people were empowered by the shire's reeve or sheriff to go out and apprehend somebody being found guilty who was endangering the life of the community or people, right? Um, so every able-bodied man in the village was made uh, a deputy sheriff, part of a posse. Now, you know, that's had kind of a lynch mob connotation in the movies and that, but the point is a posse is people taking the law into their own homes to protect themselves. But posse comitatus 
that's an expression from America where um, uh, after the Civil War, when the, they were trying to reconstruct the South and abolish slavery, the South was fighting back. And so federal troops were authorized to go in and uh, bring in civil rights to allow blacks the right to vote, to make sure that the slave system wasn't being reimposed. The, the southern states fought against that and brought in a policy commentatus law, which said the military can never be used to enforce civil law. Wow. And everyone thought that was good, but the reason it came about is the slave owners and their descendants didn't want the federal army in there protecting blacks. How so relevant is that policy with, 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 with martial law looming? You know, this is so relevant, right? Right. So it cuts both ways. It can be good or bad, right? Uh, but uh, the idea is that now, without any rule of law, any authority can figure, figure in their system can do whatever they want, right? I mean, you know, they just invent the rules, change the, the, the uh, goalposts all the time to suit their own needs. Right. It's like, like I say, a, a slave system where you've got Pharaoh and he's telling everybody what to do, right? Yeah, they, they they obfuscate everything, kick it into long grass uh, to to create the um, uh, the disinterest, right? So so come come back to that that suspect. You what would happen with the the trial would go ahead. There just wouldn't be a defendant because he hasn't turned up, and as as you mentioned earlier, that would be a, a tacit admission of guilt because he hasn't acknowledged uh, the the court and and we the people and, and our sovereign right to to pull together yeah. these courts. It then proceeds, and the judge often in that situation can issue an immediate, either a bench warrant to arrest uh, the person being accused and bring them into court, or just find an automatic guilty verdict, um, and then they can go be arrested by a sheriff with a warrant. But um, in the case of when we tried Ratzinger in Queen Elizabeth in, in the Brussels Common Court in 20, 2012 to 2013, um, after they didn't respond, the court proceeded, but we kept giving them the opportunity. There was a court-appointed defense lawyer who could speak for them. We kept saying, "We're look, here's the evidence we're presenting. Do you want to comment? They never did. Um, and so all along, that's them saying, under law, we're not disputing what you're saying about us. Therefore, they're guilty, right? They committed genocide, and they're still doing it. Yeah. So, you know, Trudeau... Uh, Tony Blair, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There are all these characters that would very likely be found guilty um, of genocide, war crimes, crimes against humanity, et cetera, et cetera. Would the Republic of Kanata then be looking to, um, <laughs> inverted commas, borrow uh, detention centers that are already established or, or create their own detention centers for these criminals? It's a combination. Uh, the best case scenario is you deputize existing police and use the existing system under a new jurisdiction. You see, we're not out to fight or overthrow anything, ultimately. We're creating something new over here and asking people to leave the old and join it. And we said that to police. Um, you know, when we were occupying the churches in Vancouver years ago about the genocide, uh, the police would show up and I would hand them a form saying, we're deputizing you as common law sheriffs because this is a criminal body that you're protecting the Catholic church. And if you're not going to help us, then please stand back and don't, um, you know, obstruct justice, which you do if you tried to stop this protest. They uh, always stood back. They never signed, but they never intervened. We immobilized them by doing that because they know that under our jurisdiction, they have no, they can't challenge us. Right. So um, that's exactly what you do. You use the existing system 
So, yeah, we would um, deputize the, the best case scenario is you deputize the police under the name of the Republic. You go in and, and seize those buildings and say this is now under Republic jurisdiction. I mean, it's that simple. That way, why reinvent the wheel? Use what exists, but under a new authority. That's the whole point, right? Yeah, yeah. Quote from the book here. Uh, common law training. Actually, just, just on the book, Kev, there's a, a few overlaps between this one and the blue one, right? Yeah, that's the early version. The blue one is a more recent one. Okay, okay. So, uh, so and this, if, of course, is people... the, the book about the Republic of Canada itself, which goes into the program and the vision and everything. Yeah, no, I've got that one too. And, and so if, if people are thinking about buying, then it should be either or, right, with, with this one or the blue one. And perhaps the it, blue it one. It should be the blue one. Actually, that it, it's more thorough. Okay. The blue book, yeah. uh, common law courts are established when any number of men or women come together to judge a matter of concern to them and their community. Thus, such courts are invariably and naturally linked to political movements, in inverted commas, town hall gatherings and tribunals of conscience that unite citizens and give direct voice to their concerns and demands. The court is thereby the expression of that voice. The court yes. itself is established by the direct will and vote of the people as a whole who elect a citizen jury of at least 12 people, a citizen prosecutor, uh, same as the plaintiff, I think, uh, to conduct the case on behalf of the people, a presiding adjudicator whose job is strictly advisory, and a sheriff and a group of peace officers to enforce the summonses, warrants yes. and verdicts of the court. And... and do we mention this a couple of uh, couple of chances ago? But that that can rotate, right? There, there's uh, uh, you oh, know, yeah. this this time, this this week or whatever. We we'll have different people in in the different roles. Plaintiff is is also the prosecutor, right? Well, that's the ideal. I mean, each you see a court is just convened for a particular case, um, and so we want to generalize the knowledge so that people, you know, if for example somebody's bringing a case about some aspect of the COVID thing, the, the best person to conduct the case as a citizen prosecutor is the person best informed who can argue the case, who knows that. Um, they should have a basic uh, understanding of the law, due process, rules of evidence. You know, evidence isn't hearsay. Evidence is, is somebody who makes a statement has to be able to come into court to validate it with substantiation, a document, another eyewitness, whatever it isn't which is what you find in smear campaigns. Hey, I heard this about Kevin. You know, did you hear that Kevin, da, 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 No, none of that is permissible in a court of law. It's all hearsay, right? Um, and so those basic, that basic understanding of the law people need, it isn't just um, a kangaroo court where, where we find a way to get somebody, right? Because we never know what the outcome of the verdict is going to be in a, in a common law jury-based system, right? It seems to me that if if you have a, a really uh, healthy judicial system, lawful system, then the need for politics becomes much less. I, it seems to me that, that very much politics uh, is an excuse for a corrupt and defunct uh, legal system. W would you would you go along with that? Well, yeah. You see, everything is political. That's the truth. Um, the, the word politics, the Greek word polis, simply referred to the city. So every citizen of the city was obligated to be part of the political system, to be the judge, to be to take responsibility for the governing of society. It's the highest calling to a citizen in the in kind of the Athenian sense, where which was direct democracy. It wasn't what we have now. 
what we have now is a monarchical system out of Europe that said you give authority to somebody with a marked ballot and then they rule over you, right? And that's not what Rousseau said. You know, the best thing for people to read is The Social Contract by Jean-Jacques Rousseau, who was the philosopher of the French and the American revolutions. And he said, um, you never have sign away authority to anybody. There are no representatives. You can only represent yourself. You can give a delegate temporary authority, but they have to do what you want them to do. And if they don't, they can be removed immediately. That's the beauty of direct democracy. That's what the American Republic was founded on. But it's the only government that was ever set up on that basis. Every other system works according to elite democracy. I don't even call it democracy. It's uh, the elite know best what to do on your behalf. You ratify their decisions, but they're still in charge, and you have to go along. Rousseau says you never surrender sovereignty. Even when you pay taxes and vote, you never surrender sovereignty. You can step out of their system whenever you like, right? It's, it's that constant uh, centralization, right? That, that corporization, turning things into, into a corporate structure, a hierarchy, where eventually, you know, it, it becomes one emperor, you know, whether that's uh, a CEO or, or a judge in a court. And, and when you look at how the, the legal system works now in, in all our countries, they're trying to dispense with juries, right? They're trying to create secret yeah. courts. Nothing could be more um, a test, greater testimony to the defunct corruption of these courts oh, than I, the fact I that they're not public and the fact that there's no jury any longer. And, you know, children are being uh, uh, trafficked via these courts and, you know, there's, there's not even yeah. a jury to, to decide. It's worse than people understand. Like, it's, even years ago, a friend of mine was arrested in Chicago because he went into a Catholic church and gave him a copy of my book and said, you should read this. The, the priest freaks out, calls the police. The police immediately arrest the man for handing a book to a priest. And he, he's given a summons to appear. He walks into a room and there's a camera on him and says, how do you plead? And he says, who are you? Who am I speaking to? And he said, answer the question. How do you plead? And he goes, I'm talking to a machine. This is not due process. I want to see a judge. Boom, you're guilty. He's got to do either six months in jail or community service. For doing what? For handing a book to somebody? I mean, but this is how, and that passes as a court now. You know, I've had a lot of stories of that kind of people. Uh, Under COVID, they ramped it up even more. Now the courts are closed. You've got to appear. And some of our people who were arrested in Ontario went through exactly that. They had to plead in front of a camera. And we told them, don't, just ignore it. You know, we're ignoring this because it's not due process. And then, you know, you know, you just boycott their system. That's the only way to relate to tyranny, right? It's interesting that they, they've had the, the legal system, the courts, in, in their back pocket for so long that it's, it's created so much complacency in terms of, you know, what they're attempting in, in, in a criminal fashion. And, and that complacency is, is I, I feel, they're undoing currently. The, 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 the platform is, is collapsing underneath them. As, as the people begin to haul in and recreate the, the, the structure and the platform of, you know, ancient common law um, jurisdictions, assemblies. It's innate within us. We already understand this, but people don't trust their own feelings, their own, their intuitive understanding that we do not have to comply. <laughs> it's that simple. And I say no, right? Right. Completely. Enforcement. The big and thorny issue, of course, is not whether men and women can come to a court verdict, but rather how their decision can be enforced and effective in their community. 
This is especially an issue when the verdict is imposed against heads of church or state or even entire institutions, as in the February 25th, 2013 verdict of the International Common Law Court of Justice, ICLCJ, concerning genocide in Canada, see www.itccs.org. To use that, actually, that website's no longer active. Right? Yeah, it's, it was taken down. Uh, but it's murder by decree archives, right? Yeah, murderbydecree.com under ITCCS archives has all that material. Okay. Yeah. It's important to clear that up. To use that case as an example, the moral weight of the verdict was clearly the strongest weapon in the arsenal of the court and created the conditions for the enforcement of the verdict against the 30 officials of church and state named in the indictment. So that 30, Kev, are the, the dirty 30, right? They're known as the dirty 30. So there's a citizen's arrest warrant out for all 30 of them. Are we, are we now at a point where, where we can, you know, go get them? We always have been. Um, and, and we did we, get can, them. Can we entice, you know, big, strong, strapping guys that there would be, you know, these, these are very rich institutions and individuals. What are we have to get of the... You know, <laughs> the uh the, the wild west wanted signs you know you, you get the reward right it, it's, it's, you know, can, can, we've, can we... we've actually created a few of those posters with ratzinger and liz windsor's uh face on them but um no but the point is we have arrested them already they've arrested themselves right joseph ratzinger has not left the vatican in eight years because he right. knows that you see a citizen's tribunal of what we set up its verdicts and the evidence that the verdict was based on, it's all actionable by other courts. So any court in the world can issue an arrest warrant based on the docket of evidence we presented on our uh, our sentence and our, our verdict of guilt, right? So they know that, even if a lot of people don't know that. Um, and so, you know, the, these people tend to avoid exposure for that reason because they know how vulnerable they are. But it, it you know, ultimately what is enforcement about? It's about changing things it isn't about just grabbing one person and locking them up you know that kind of retributive justice i know among indigenous people who i've worked with they don't have any notion of that in their tribal legal systems they don't they don't believe in punishment they believe in rehabilitation if you like so for example if you've wronged somebody that person then has to go work with the family they've wronged and change it's not about you know punishing someone because jails don't ever cure anyone they just make them worse as we all know right um but a private you know, for profit jail system needs people in jail, right? They need crime. They need uh, all of that. So that's the system that's ultimately, again, it's what kind of political and economic system do you have that reflects your system of justice, right? Yeah, there's, there's uh, an awful lot of money. You know, prisoners are commodities, right? As, as these corporations uh, uh, traffic humans, you know. Well, in America, it's because- you know, the 13th Amendment, which is they always hold up as the great thing that abolished slavery, that Lincoln brought in in 1865. Uh, if you read the, uh, uh, the actual quote, it says, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, comma, except as a punishment for crime whereof the party should have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States. So in other words, they said you can have slavery in prisons, that anyone who's convicted of a crime is still a slave under the law. That's why you've got more people now in prison than there were slaves. Nine million Americans in prison. They have no rights. They're slaves under the law, right? Um, I heard, so. I heard it, the, 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 the slavery thing was um, there was a con job where rather than emancipate and free 
um, the blacks that they just enslaved everybody in in the, in the detail of of the of the legalities of, of it. Is that correct? Well, what came out of slavery was the whole industrial system. Uh, you know, the the big industrial giants, the robber barons came out of the Civil War because of the huge war industries that were created. The big steel industries, Carnegie, Mellon, Rockefeller, all those guys, um, you know, they, they came out of the Civil War conflict. And they didn't like the idea of abolishing slavery because I remember one of them saying, if we tell the slaves they're free, then our workers are going to want to be free too from wage slavery, right? Um, and so they had to create the system just like why do you keep a queen around or a king? Well, to make people feel they're subservient. Why do you have a pope? To make them think there's somebody in charge. Otherwise, the people would rule themselves and they wouldn't need us, us parasites on their back, right? So, I mean, it's all psychological when you think about it, political and psychological. How does a few rule the many, right? That's always the issue. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, comprehensive education is all about teaching people in their earliest formative years like, like right. Pavlov's dog with a bell to defer and offload and obey an authority figure, you know, exactly like you would uh, an emperor or a Pope or, or, or whatever it is, right? It's just really well, trenching at, at an early age. I, my daughter, Eleanor, when she was little, she'd always say, why, why daddy, why I'd say something. And I explained to her, but you know, often parents get uptight. You're not supposed to ask why just do it. Right. right. Um, it starts in the family, you know, <laughs> we have been taught wrongly that taking the law into our own hands is a violation of civil order and tantamount to anarchy, whereas for citizens to judge legal matters for themselves is the highest civic virtue and the cornerstone of true democracy, according to Athenian lawmaker Solon. The latter even believed that citizens should be fined or reprimanded for shirking from a public controversy or from their inborn capacity to be lawgivers. At the heart of that personal responsibility for the law is the capacity of citizens to judge a lawsuit for themselves as sworn jurors and impose a verdict and sentence in such a suit. The jury system has always been the purest expression of the common law and its capacity to empower the people themselves to defend traditional liberties and ascertain the truth of a matter. And as we're in in this realm of, of psychology now, you know, we're talking about that, that training Pavlov's dog uh, with with the from our earliest um, interactions with with the state and, and with authority this 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 is a real uh, you know cutting the cords if you like that that people feel um, abandoned almost to to get out of that un, uh, the umbrella of responsibility you know to defer responsibility is is quite an easy way out rather than than to take a uh, a stand and to be part of a lawful yeah. uh, jurisdiction. It's it's it takes so much autonomy and and sovereignty, right? It's, it's it's a big step up for people. Well, that's why people are kept working at dumb jobs that occupy their 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 life. They're kept in that state of near poverty, so they have to be struggling to survive all the time, and they don't have time. They're so tired at the end of the day, they just want to collapse in front of the idiot box, and they don't want to think about these things and it's set up that way right people are exhausted and living in this world being mortal it's filled with fears and uncertainties right um and so it's safer people are always inclined to to find what's safe to give them the illusion that they're going to protect themselves and ultimately like i say at funerals or with people on deathbeds 
You can't protect yourself. We're all going to die. We have a death sentence called mortality. The question is, how are you going to live during the time given to you, right? And not how do I shore up that which can't be shored up, which is your own mortal life. Think instead about what I need to leave for my children. What kind of world are we going to leave, right? And then you're empowered beyond your means, right? For sure, for sure. And again, back to practicalities, Kev. Could, could we do a Zoom court case? Could we, could we have common law trials via the internet? Is, is, that, is that something that could be uh, practical? Yep. Uh, we encourage local courts. We encourage the people to have face-to-face direct contact, just like in an assembly, because you've got to know the people you're working with. It's the best. But, for example, with our common law court in Brussels that found the dirty 30 guilty, convicted them. Uh, that was done by Skype, 57 citizen jurors uh, in nine different countries around the world were linked that way, right? These days when you're doing those To confirm courts, a jury of 57? We had 57 uh, jurors. There were at one point over 100 volunteers, but we had to, we had a jury selection system. Uh, we offered, uh, you know, the, the defendants the chance to come and help pick the jury, and of course they ignored it. Um, so that took a while, but uh, there were a lot of volunteers. They wanted to, they were thirsty for that knowledge. They wanted to see the evidence about these people, right? And there was lots of it based partly on the work I've done in Canada for many years. But that, the, the funny thing here, Owen, is that the evidence is incontrovertible. You can't deny it once you look at it. And that's why they have to bury it. That's why 90% of the stuff we put out there over the years is now gone off the Internet. It's a process of continually recreating, reminding people. Of, of what we achieved, right? I mean, I'm looking at a pile of 19 of my books right here on the table, right? And it's like, how much of that is in the school system? It's not allowed in. Uh, murder by decree is, is vanishes from the library and from the schools every time we try get it in somewhere, right? Yeah, for sure. And I had just a little anecdote about that. The same incident occurred in New Zealand and in um, a place actually called Owen Sound, Ontario. Um, the life of what some of our people went and asked to order my book murder by decree and both librarians said the same thing after checking they they declined and they said uh we can't order that book it's on a list okay i'll I'll prescribe books and ban books in new zealand and canada both well that's a pretty far reach it means that the commonwealth has a policy kevin anna's books cannot go into public libraries right i mean and on the internet it's even easier to to censor and befuddle people so i mean that's what you're up against, and yet it's a sign of how effective we've been that they have to do that, right? Yeah, that's right. It's it's, it's a real uh, a symbol of of fear, right? And yeah. just the flip side of that, you know, uh, I don't know if you have in North America this kid's character called Peppa Pig. Well, there's a Peppa Pig takes the vaccine book though, so the other so so you know, right down at the the earliest informative years, they they're they're promoting their themes, and yet you know, yeah. really important ancient common law uh, principles are, are being digitally burned, right? Burning of the digital books. Kevin, yeah, but I mean, burning books back 500 years ago didn't work. We always find a way around these things, you know. Yeah, I, I feel it's, it's, it's coming to, to a healthy crescendo now. Um, a, a guy I met while I was uh, in, in Swansea prison, uh, he, he was telling me that around the Swansea area here in South Wales, there's 70,000 uh, dads locally that have, I think they've got a Facebook group, but, but they, they, did, they have some sort of uh, 
gel with 70,000 of them. And I was thinking, wow, that, that's that's a real powerful mandate of, of people there. And, and that would be both a, um, a locational um, theme, but also uh, a theme that is tied together with, with a similar uh, coherent topic in, in terms of parental alienation and, and abuses by right. the family law courts. Is, would you suggest from your experience that locations are the best way to start assemblies if people are thinking watching this and thinking about initiating a common law assembly yes or, or more so than than themes such as uh parental alienation or oh well okay so there has to be both because both, okay. you need to help people on the specific issues especially parental alienation because frankly it's one of the ways so many people are controlled what might happen to my children that's how they control many people uh and that fear and degrading the role of the father is part of that because traditionally in many indigenous cultures, the male was the shaman, the protector, the one who would go on the spiritual visions to protect his people. You have to be aware of what's happening around you. You've got to be a protector and a provider. That's tradition. That's not sexism. It's biology. I mean, it's, it's, and if you take away that role, then the whole family system is, is fraught. The women, the children can be grabbed. I mean, it, it's a whole plan to pit man against woman. Uh, husband against wife right um and so you need to campaign on those specific issues but the thing that really unites people is if they know in their neighborhood there's an alternative we got our Swansea assembly happening this monday you should come and check it out you know we're going to pass our own laws we're, no, we're not obligated to the system anymore we don't even worry about what london's doing we are establishing self-governance and you know wales there's a long tradition of of independence the whole you know, Kimru independence movement and that. And, and I mean, there's all sorts of ways you can mobilize people in that, but people have short-term commitments. They, they, not just because their lives are busy in that, but because they think things can be fixed quickly and they can't, you know, um, it takes years of effort and struggle, but the payoff at the end is we've won our liberty. We want our lives back and there's no greater cause to fight for, especially when it involves our children. So, so that physical gathering, uh, whether that's in a town hall or, or a, a public building, and, and on the topic of buildings, these these court buildings are public buildings, right? We we pay for these courts out of our absolutely. Our we, so, we so can we take them use, over. We can we can use these courtrooms, right? Absolutely, and we should use them. Uh, there was that famous case in in uh, Birkenhead near Liverpool years ago, where six hundred people went in and arrested the judge, and took over the court, and that got swabbed out of Facebook quick. Uh, yeah. in YouTube. But I mean, the point is people just did it. And they were led by a very educated, strong group of people who knew the common law and had their own sheriffs. They were very organized. And you've got to operate off the radar a lot till you're organized. If you announce yourself too soon, you get taken out, like what happened on the West Coast of Canada, nine of our assemblies just wiped out in a month, all of them, because we had gone public too quickly. You need a core educated, organized, and adept to the tricks of the enemy, which is why last week's discussion was so important about the whistleblower manual, how you navigate around their tactics, right? But, um, yeah, we so you need to build those local assemblies and courts, but on the basis of knowledge and, um, you know, a core leadership. 
There was there was a, a more recent one that I've seen the Birkenhead footage that, that you mentioned, and uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, there was really interesting footage, and, and it didn't last long on the internet. It was it was down pretty quick, but these these guys went to a, a high court, and uh, the judge was out of there like a, like a rat in a drain pipe. Oh, I know was, these oh. guys run. That's the funny thing. It's like priests when you go to a Catholic church, they often just run out the back door, right. cowards, and they know they're guilty, right? Yeah, you know, they, 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 uh, we've spoken about it in the last couple of discussions, but that, that illusion, that facade of, of uh, what they're trying to present is, is utter BS, right? Yeah, and, and don't forget, authority rests on legitimacy, and it's a mental construct. I mean, authority is all up here. And I remember this priceless example I had of that. Uh, we were occupying, one of the times we were occupying the church, the police showed up, and because well, most of us were native, they felt they were free to start getting rough with us. So this one guy came up to a young woman, a native woman, and said, uh, you're going to leave. And she said, why? Who are you? She, and the cop said, don't you know who I am? And the, the Indian woman just looked at her and said, looked at him and said, you're just a guy in a blue suit. And the guy, the guy kind of did a double take and it was almost like he was thinking, yeah, I guess I am just a guy in a suit. Like she did away, she blew away with the, the fiction. And there was just a man standing there in front of her. And once we do that, we've taken away their power. And we've got to get to the point where people do that automatically, and then they have no authority left. We do now, right? 100%. This, this, this quote, uh, so much talk, you know, increasingly, seemingly about us being in a war, you know, globally. And, and, and I really feel, I think about it a lot this week, as after we spoke about it a lot this week, that the more that that, rhetoric is out there the ratio of public to corrupt um goons is, is so in our favor that if if people are uh, discussing whether or not this is a war situation then that means that they are alive and awake to the situation and and it seems you know a very healthy conversation to have uh, because yeah. it, it it's sways the, the the numbers the statistics so much in our favor if 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 sides are drawn in in that in that fashion so this is uh joe mckinnis who was a republican veteran of the irish civil war and in 1974 and during a war situation he's talking about fixing up these courts as as a, a priority right yep. our first real step towards independence from england was the establishment of our own republican courts right under the nose of the Brits. We set up different, a different legal system of our, own, of our traditional Brehon laws, even while under military occupation, and we had to defend that system in arms. So you can say that once we started living under our own laws, everything else had to follow, right up to becoming a new nation. Right, and that's key. There's a, there's a brilliant scene about that. I don't know if you've ever seen the film The Wind That Shakes the Barley. I watched it about three weeks ago. It's so beautiful. But do you remember the scene? They're sitting in, in a building. They're, they're, they've convened one of those courts, and they're sentencing a local landlord. Yep. And they're the court, right? And they saw themselves as the court. They didn't just say, oh, we're a bunch of guys sitting here in the room. How can we be a court? They believed. They knew in their heart and mind that we, had, we were a new court of a, a, a new nation in birth, right? And once we get under that state of mind, miracles can happen. It's going to open up. And um, that, 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 that term, the wind that shakes the barley, it was a, a metaphor for uh, the Republican movement saying we're like the seed. When the wind blows the seed, it scatters all over the country and they can't control the growth, right? 
and so it's a very kind of spiritual awareness of that you know it we're seeking that that uh higher place from which to act in law in keeping with the law of nature right law is that seed right for for, for the birth of pastures new right yeah 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 we're at the we're at the arrow mark actually we would call it quits there i I think it's good um I, I just urge people to read those books and, and the, com- the uh, Republic of Canada, we go into detail a lot of, of how we see the Republic, how we see a new society. So it's all, it's all related to everything we're talking about. And, and is it, is it fueled? Is, is there a, a greater momentum behind the Republic of Canada because of this COVID nonsense madness? Oh yeah. Um, I would say after the COVID measures started, our support increased 20 fold. Um, that's a new number, uh, new citizens. It just shot exponentially. Now it tapered off and went down and it goes in waves all the time. Um, people fall away, new people come in, but it's a movement that, that can't be stopped now. It's all over the place. And it, it has allies all over the world. Um, you know, in America, of course, because a lot of people are innately get this from their own Republic traditions, but all over the common law world, the Commonwealth countries, we talk all the time. In Australia, they built a tremendous movement based on my book. This guy, uh, Mike Holt, uh, three years ago, got my book. He started meeting with people. They've got like easily 40 to 50 assemblies in local common law courts now all over the country. And they're challenging local authorities all the time. It's really fantastic. So, again, there goes the barley, this barley seeds fertilizing all over the earth. That's what we're doing, right? It's um, it's bigger now than, than we ever could have imagined, right? Republicofcanada.ca, it kind of documents some of it there. Yeah, it's education, right? People are, are enlightened to yeah. the potential and possibilities because of, you know, the, these these books and these conversations and these yeah. uh, these movements. And, and so people, you know, they have reason and, and common sense and, and they look at one and they compare it to the other and they say, yeah, this, this, is, this is the society and the world I want to live in. As right. opposed to the one we're leaving behind, that old, old world of, of uh, you know, <laughs> corruption. Yep. And, it's and, all about and, choice. We all have choice, right? And that's what I found in healing circles when survivors of these deadly crimes in, in the church schools, native schools. At the point at which a, a woman put it, I mentioned this last time, she said, I used to be a victim, now I'm a threat. Yeah. It's because she realized I have a choice. It doesn't matter what's happened in my life. I always have can choose how I'm going to react, what I'm going to do next. And when you recover that, you know, you, you can become unbeatable. And that's what we found, right? Right. Yeah. Many thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Chat we'll again talk soon. To you again. Cheers. All the very best. Cheers. Take care. Yeah. Okay.